Thank you, band. I really enjoyed that a lot. We are working through a series on biblical wisdom. Uh, last week was the introduction to it, and uh, we explored what wisdom is and what it is not, and the difference between worldly wisdom and biblical wisdom. Um, and uh, I got some profound revelations from the study, and I hope that you did as well and that you would as we continue, and I ask that um, as we move into the next part of this series, we're asking how to get it. <laughs> um, might sound a bit flippant, but it isn't. That's not the heart. Number one was what it is. So before we just, we, because everyone would say, if you would ask them, do you want more wisdom? I think, I don't think anyone would not raise their hand and say, yeah, I would like more wisdom. I think that would be unwise to do that. Um, but we need to understand what we're asking for first, and so that was the introduction last week. Part two, we're going to go into how do we get this? How do we take hold of this? Because Lady Wisdom says that she is available. Um, a question maybe to just kick us off is, do we become wise or do we receive wisdom? And uh, maybe a short answer that we'll explore a bit further, but... Um, is that it, it seems, and I think there's a place for saying that one be, becomes wiser, but um, it's clear from Scripture that we, wisdom is an attribute of God that we receive from Him. And it's not as the world say we would become wise with the more experience we have. So we, in essence, do not become wise that much as what we receive wisdom and the instruction with the wisdom. That also acknowledges the source of the wisdom. And as when we become wise, then we become the source of the wisdom. But when we know that we receive it from God and steward it, then it is always His and our pleasure and our gift. So let that thought run in your mind as we ask this, the question this morning of how do we get wisdom? And uh, it's a five-point sermon. So I think for some of you that's boring, for some of you that's helpful. But at least you've got something for your notebook. You can have the sermon and then one, two, three, four, five. And then it looks like we did something here today. Okay? So I hope you will get this. Um, and I hope it would make sense to you. And I hope that you would be able to take hold of it. The five points, I'm going to name them now, and then we'll explore them. We'll spend more time on the first one than on the other four. We could spend a whole series on the first one, um, all of eternity, really. But for now, we will do about 10 to 15 minutes, and then we'll continue with the other four. The first one is asking the question, how do we get wisdom? Point number one, to position yourself for it in the fear of the Lord. That's number one. Number two is to open yourself up to receive wisdom. I'll explain why I say that. 
later. Number three is to ask and seek it. Number four is to steward what you have received. And number five is to never claim it as your own. Let's work through it. How do we obtain wisdom? You all know this scripture, I think. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is insight. We cannot have the wisdom of God, and when we would receive anything that would resemble wisdom from God without the fear of God in our lives, it would probably be distorted by our minds, and it would become slightly less than what it would be if we would be positioned in the fear of God. If we're not positioned in the fear of God, then even the wisdom from God would kind of fizzle out as we receive it because it's not on the right foundation. It begins with the fear of the Lord. Interesting point, and we'll speak about the fear of the Lord a bit more now, but is that one would often say that wisdom, the most simple definition is wisdom is is knowledge applied well. And then we read in Proverbs 9 verse 10, it also says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Without, even, without the fear of God as our base, even, even, even knowledge that might seem more scientific and objective cannot be rightly, rightly gained and rightly understood and rightly um, discerned. And that's how, for instance, scientists end up with terribly unscientific conclusions like macroevolution because of the lack of the fear of God. And that's where knowledge is distorted even if it doesn't start with the fear of the Lord. And Paul confessed that he knows nothing except Christ and him crucified. Now that seems like, it seems like, okay Paul, so you're saying that you don't know an awful lot. You only know Christ and him crucified. Yet, in a later passage it is written that Christ is the wisdom of God. So, saying I, I confess to know nothing but Christ and him crucified is actually saying that is the only place that I'll seek wisdom from God and I'll find everything that pertains to life and godliness in him because it is in him even all knowledge not only spiritual insights and nice idea for a moral life but everything what lives under the rocks in the Amazon River that we haven't explored yet and how they work. Even that, we find the depths of what we'll find when we seek Christ only is so much more than what we often think or often have been taught that puts him in a box and makes it a religious thing rather than the fullness of his creation and of his glory and of his splendor and of his joy that he wants to share with us. So let us confess to know nothing but, but Christ and him crucified. Next week we'll speak more about 
that specifically as how the wisdom of God is revealed in Christ. Now the question begs, what is the fear of the Lord? How do I grow in it or how do I get that? Because if that's the prerequisite for wisdom, then we should quickly speak about it. And it's not something that you know that one often speaks about and it's often made less of. Um, interesting, in the Afrikaans Bible, the 1933 translation of the Afrikaans Bible, which was a better one than the 83, it tr- translated the fear of the Lord as the fear of the Lord, die vrees van die Heere. The 83 translation decided, this fear thing. And they changed it to the serving of the Lord. This the dien van die Heere. Let's say, wijsheid begin met die dien van die Heere. Wherever there was fear, there is now serving. That's watering something very precious down a lot. Because we are taught that fear is not something we should have in our faith. We should be free and it should be love and perfect love casts out all fear, right? What is this? What is this thing? The fear of the Lord. Um, <laughs> using words, one might say it is a reverence with with trembling. Now, if you say, well, I don't, uh, you know, he's my dad. I don't fear my dad. I don't know, I tremble when I'm in the presence of my dad. The other day, we had leaders meeting here. <laughs> and uh, Matthew was uh, leading us in a few songs. And when he, he prayed, I think before he started, and he said, he said something about, Lord, your presence with us. And the moment he said that, an incredible um, hair-raising sound came from the north and flew over. And it, I mean, I think most of us had a bit of a fright in that moment. They're like, <gasps> What was this? And then you realize, oh, it's sonar. It's, a, it's, it's one of the military airplanes that's coming across. And it's probably already gone and the sound's tra- traveling behind it and just hitting us like a bomb. And I didn't have any other instant response to that than to tremble a little bit. At that, at the, let's call it the majesty of that sound. And the, 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 immense awe that it creates in us, in our flesh. And we see that throughout Scripture. Whenever someone would encounter God whose voice is like thunder and like many waters that rush and whose eyes burn like fire, we see every time someone would have an encounter with this, they would have a similar response. They would fear and tremble because of who He is. We cannot have another response. The Israelites said, Moses, we're not going to go up that mountain. That's way too scary. We're going to die if we go up that mountain. You go alone. You've got the faith for this mountain. Uh, Moses came down the mountain and his face was shining with the glory of God because he had 
been in his presence. It is to understand that our only reaction, if we would get a glimpse of who he is, would be reverence with trembling. If you've got such reverence for anyone and you truly do have it, you would obey him without question. And even Jesus said, yes, because you might, you might die. <laughs> and some people in the scriptures did die. Now, death is not the end, fortunately. But we cannot run away from this and create a theology where the fear of God is made less than this. And he is our father who loves us as little children. But as if, if, if your father was the, was the king of South Africa, his decrees would still affect you. Like the decree of the king that, that said, no one will worship anyone unless me, it affected his beloved Daniel and he had to throw him in the lion's den because he, he is the king. Now that's just a kingly example. It's not a... a Example of a godly king. But that's how it works. If your father is the king, what he decrees has got an effect on you. There is a different hat you need to put on when your dad would be the, the actual king. Who calls the shots. Who decides what's right and wrong. There is a different relationship you have with such a father than with a mere earthly father. And our God is the king of the universe, the righteous judge. Are you with me? There is a healthy tension, and I'm going to leave it with you. There's a healthy tension for you to explore between daddy and fearing him. And sometimes daddy makes, rejects that because how can it be? How can they be together? But, oh, they are. It's difficult for our minds but we need to wrestle with God in this. That's maybe a little insight on the fear of the Lord. And you would ask the question, all right, so I maybe realize that I do not have the fear of the Lord in my life at all. Um, I, I take his word as nice suggestions that I contemplate implementing, or I take his word with fear and trembling and work out my salvation with fear and Trembling. You see, it's not an Old Testament thing only. That's New Testament that speaks about fear and trembling as well. So we need to understand how we can grow in the fear of the Lord. And I want to just give you three pointers on this that you could write down and that you could dig into. Because we need to ask God for this. If we are going to have this beautiful thing called wisdom in our lives. Growing in the fear of the Lord, Psalm 34 verse 11. David writing and he's kind of, kind of teaching younger ones and he says, let me teach you the fear of the Lord. <laughs> now he was a very skilled musician, he was a very skilled um, commander of armies and he was very skilled in many things, yet he never said, let me teach the children how to play an instrument. He said, let me teach you the fear of the Lord. In brackets, because that's the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. So we can be taught by someone. It's who it's come from that. So you can be taught by someone in whose life you see the fear of the Lord. 
want to grow in the fear of the Lord, find someone that could say, let me teach you about the fear of the Lord. That's one way. Another way is the Holy Spirit that's called the teacher. John 14, 26 says, he will teach us all things. All things. So that includes the fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. So our teacher, the Holy Spirit, can teach us the fear of the Lord and help our limited understanding get a grasp of this eternal concept that's higher than us, greater than us, and very important for us and very beautiful. Scripture also speaks... Um, I didn't put this into my slides or my sermon, but there's a couple of scriptures where uh, it says that, that um, it speaks about someone, I'm not sure if it's David or Isaiah or who this is, but says that I, I delight in the fear of the Lord. I delight in the fear of the Lord. There's a couple of passages like that where, where, where when you find it for what it truly is, it becomes your delight to fear Him comes an upside-down, beautiful thing that you find. Yes, you tremble and shake, and but it becomes a delight to be in that space and be welcomed in that space as a son or a daughter. And the last way is to study the Word of God to see who God is. You would understand that and receive that. You would know that He is awesome and awesome inspiring so how do we get wisdom we need to be positioned in the fear of the Lord number one all good number two open yourself up to wisdom why am I saying this it seems like uh, even Yeah, it doesn't seem as striking as the fear of the Lord. Why is this here? Because wisdom, the moment that you are closed off to receiving instruction or discipline or teaching, you have become unwise. The wise, Proverbs 19 verse 20 says, Listen to advice and accept discipline and at the end, you will be counted with the wise. Wisdom is for the one who acknowledges that he doesn't have it and is ready to receive it through godly counsel, impartations from the word, and through the Holy Spirit that speaks to us. You have to be open. When your teachability goes, wisdom ends. That's number two. Position yourself in the fear of the Lord. You'd be able to receive it from that place. Number two, open yourself up to those around you and to the Lord to receive. This is easy when it's from God, maybe a bit harder from others. But we listen to advice and accept discipline primarily from people. The one who despises discipline and reproof and teaching and instruction, Proverbs calls a fool. Um, Proverbs 29 verse 1 goes so far, I'm going to 
just uh, try to just remember it. Um, it says the one, the one who continually ignores reproof, something like that. The one who just continually ignores reproof will be destroyed suddenly without remedy. The one who doesn't want to receive discipline and reproof and even rebuke. So being completely open, accepting that I'm not wise and that wisdom can come to me is very important. Wisdom is to be open to wisdom, not to pretend to have wisdom. So the one that then has wisdom almost looks like the one who doesn't. Are you with me? In the world's eyes, you would look like you maybe don't because you're so open to learn and so needy of it. That would be wise. Rather than to pretend like it, I have some form of it already and I don't need so much and everything you say I've got a little answer for. Also speaks a little bit to our egos. Point number three. Now, this is one of the reasons that I decided to preach on this. Um, is that I've found in James 1 verse 5, that many of you would know this little, uh, would be wrong to call it this. It's almost a little cheat code. This majestic thing, this huge eternal concept, the lady wisdom that was there in the beginning when God created the earth, and that is the wisdom of God in Christ that is unsearchable. James 1 verse 5 says, If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives liberally without reproach, and it will be given. That's one of the most beautiful promises and clear promises in the word. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God and it will be given. And then continues and says, but you must believe that you will receive it and not be like, oh, I'm going to ask and I'll see whether you will pitch. No, no. Because the word of God, makes such a, if it makes such a clear promise, you just smile and receive it. If you walk into that meeting that you're asking, oh God, I need wisdom to, for this staff meeting. I smile, walk in there, and I can't wait for what's going to come out of my mouth. Because I've just received wisdom. I did that a lot as a consultant. And sometimes I might have been a bit too um, pushy with it. But it's, it's, it's there. Do you lack it? Ask it. You don't need 20 years of experience, otherwise you would never have it. You can have it. Ask it. Now, to say that alone might seem very cheap and like a nice sermon to preach, and that's why we started to make wisdom, to, to just get a picture of you for the beauty that it holds and the concept it is. But it also clearly states the fact that wisdom is not ours. It's not gained through experience, but received as a gift. 
Lady Wisdom, and if you don't understand what I mean when I say Lady Wisdom the whole time, listen to the first part, but um, Lady Wisdom, she speaks in Proverbs 8 and introduces uh, self, and she's the personification of wisdom in Scripture. Even Jesus refers to wisdom and as a female. Um, Conrad is not usually the one to be offended and walk out, but I, th- I think he's one of the most masculine men we have in our congregation. So when I said things like Lady Wisdom and the femininity that it, that it holds, then um, our guys like him sometimes walk out. <laughs> no. Lady Wisdom also invites and says in Proverbs 8.17, says, Anyone who seek me will find me. It's the same promise we find there than what James. If you seek Lady Wisdom, you'll find her. Lady Wisdom by whom kings rule. And James echoes in the New Testament and says, If you lack it, ask it and you will receive it. It's a promise. It's a beautiful promise. You can have it. Isn't that cool? It also resembles another scripture, just to confirm this, but I mean, ask and you will, seek and you will, that's cool, hey? That's the way God works. Number four, we need to steward what we have received. James 1 verse 22. Um, James 1 verse 22 says that we should be doers of the word not hearers only deceiving ourselves I think I hope it would be one of the messages that rings clear from my life is that I make a point of, of mentioning James 1 verse 22 So many Christians love being hearers of the word and getting beautiful revelations through the word, but without that becoming action, without doing that, without stewarding what you have received from God, you become deceived. So the very word that you've received from God, and if you do not have the fear of God in your life, you would often not respond to it. Because it would be a nice tingly sensation to get a cool revelation and then not respond and end up being deceived because the word of God is not made for any of us to not respond to. It's too holy. It's too, it's too powerful. And then it leads to deception. And then you become someone who sits here in church, here, but it's distorted what you hear and it doesn't lead to anything because of the deception over time of not responding to the word, not stewarding that which God has given. So asking for wisdom, to make this clear, is not only asking for instruction in what to do, and then saying, oh, I received wisdom from God as to how to handle this situation, but if wisdom is the very implementation of that, then asking for wisdom definitely means to ask God for the grace to do what you've received in your heart to do. Ask God for the 
capacity to action it, because that would also be asking for the wisdom. Not only what should I do, God, but now I need to go and do this well. Ask him for that also. It's included, I believe, in wisdom. It's included also in Galatians. The book of Galatians speaks about um, con- what, what have started in, the f- in faith, we now want to perfect in the flesh. And often when we've been Christians for a while, then we want to, um, we get a revelation that we should pray more and we really want to pray more. And then our, our, our effort then goes to finding a time to pray, deciding what you're going to pray about, finding a nice you know, reading up on what a nice prayer life looks like and then trying to pray. But then you fail. Who has, who has failed when, they've, when they were convicted and then they tried and then it just didn't work? And you're like, oh, and then a year later you're convicted again about it and you try again and it doesn't work. I've learned recently that what in that we actually trying to do something in the flesh. When we came to Christ the first time, we knew we couldn't save ourselves. God, if this prayer and this reaching out, if you don't, don't save me, I'll not be saved. We had, that, we had that faith in God. That should never change. Oh God, if I repent for my prayerlessness, for instance, deliver me from this. Without you, I'll never be able to pray. Help me to pray. That should be the response in faith. And then you see it trickling into your heart and desires to pray and things to pray for. And It's often slower than what we want, so then we add some flesh to it so that it looks better to our accountability partners than what it actually is. But through that kind of prayer of faith in God to do it, there, there comes life to our action. And we find freedom in it. And freedom in our failure. But that's a little sermon I snuck in here now. Maybe it helps some of you. We need to ask God for the wisdom to take action. And number five, I think I've mentioned this a couple of times, but... We can never claim wisdom as our own. If Matthew would have just won the, the, the Cape Town Strongman competition, there was, he, he um, pulled a Boeing from across the N1, from, of, across the M5 from the N1 to the N2, and no one's ever done that, and if you'd ask Matthew then, are you, weak, are you weak or are you strong? If you would say, well, I, 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 am, I am strong. He would be right, would he not? He might be arrogant in the way that he says it, or he might try to be humble in the way that he says it, but he would be right regardless. If you were the top candidate in your... Your matric results, you were the top candidate in the Western Cape. And someone asked you, are you dumb or are you clever? 
you once again might sound arrogant the way you say it, but you would be very right to say, oh, I am clever. I'm not dumb. Right? But if the wisest person on earth, just hear how this makes you feel. If the wisest person on earth, this old wummy, would be asked, are you wise? And he would say, oh, yes, I am wise. He just became unwise in an instant. And you all know it. <laughs> Saying that you're wise is one of those things that you, can just, you cannot say that. Why? Because it's God's. And even our natural minds respond to the fact that no one can say that. <laughs> and if you do, I don't trust the fact that you say that you are wise. Are you with me? So our natural minds testify to the fact that we should never do this. Proverbs 26, 12 says, See the man who is wise in his own eyes. There is more hope for a fool than for him. <laughs> Romans 12, verse 16 says, Never be wise in your own eyes. Proverbs 3, 7 says something like, um, Never be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and Stay away from evil. <laughs> Maybe that's a good, a good summary of wisdom. Um, I remember one of the words when I received word from the Lord that I, we should come to Cape Town and join the congregation. One of the things he kept on saying to me the whole time while he was just giving me a um, download on all of the, the reasons and the things that he wants me to come and do and it was a beautiful moment of confirmation, but he spoke to me and I wrote down a lot of stuff and he reiterated a few times to it, never be wise in your own eyes. Never be wise in your own sight. Never be wise in your own eyes. And then he said, now read Romans 12 to 16. I'll confirm everything I just told you. And I opened up and I read Romans 12 and 12 16 says, never be wise in your own eyes. So I'm trying my best. Now, if I've ever come across as wise in my own eyes, then... I'm, I'm very sorry for that. Um, I hope I wouldn't ever do that again. And when I do, can always, we can always come back to him again. All right? But now, it's not that we would ever... Many of us would, wouldn't be narcissistic enough to say, I am rather wise. We would be clever and emotionally intelligent enough to not say such things, but we would sometimes think them when we speak to others, and think, well, in secret, I, I, I do say um, that I think myself a bit wiser than you because of my experience, because of the things I've done, and what you say, oh, that's nice, but I've worked through a few things like that in my life, <laughs> and evil enters our hearts, <laughs> evil enters our hearts in that moment. Um, I had an encounter that I've told you about with an old woman once at a conference. I was a student, and someone, some missionary thought the Lord told him that I should go to this, ministry, this workplace ministry conference that Crown Ministries was organizing. And I arrived there, and I was 23 years old or 22 years old, and it was all these old guys who were in ministry for years or in or, or in corporate business for years. I was the youngest by at least 10 years. And I have 
never been properly in ministry or in business. Um, I've had a um, tuck shop on our farm, and I went on missions. But apart from that, I couldn't claim anything. So I was there, and I, we were in these little discussion groups, and in my group was this old Um And he, whenever we would discuss, I had quite a big mouth, because I was then very recently healed from the fact that I stuttered so much, I, I couldn't speak for eight to nine years of my life, and then I was healed of that, so I had a lot to say. Um, and as young people often do, but we, we, we kind of hear what, we, what we're thinking while we're saying it, at least that's what extroverts like me do. So I, and this old worm was sitting there, and he was listening to me intently, and he was receiving from me. He was going, wow, wow. That's amazing. I could see how he's, how he's taking some of these things into his heart. And the things I said, it's, it's like it was revelation to him. And he blessed me for what I said. And I could see it's real. And I thought, oh, maybe he recently, recently came to Christ and everything is new and awesome for him. And this is maybe a moment for me to impart, it seems I'm wiser than him. At least in the Lord. I mean, I've, I've been on missions um, and surrendered my life to the Lord. And he was, he was humbly accepting. And right at the end of one of our little sessions of my importation, he stood up and went to the front and he was the next presenter that was presenting at that conference. And I didn't know where to uh, put my head in. And I learned from him what it means to never be wise in your own eyes. And we've become very good friends. I, I see him um, till today. And every time at the end of our meetings, he would, he would be sure to let me know that it was his honor to spend time with me. And he's very thankful for the opportunity. But if I would read you this guy's resume, you would know that the opposite is very true. We can never claim it as a, I esteem him wise, and I'm sure you all do as well, just after that story. To never claim it as our own, even in our own hearts. What's the first one of the five-point sermon? I never really do five-point sermons, so um, I mean... Enjoying this. What's the first point of the five-point sermon? Position yourself in the fear of the Lord. Number two? Open yourself up. Come on, Kathy, you made notes. Number three? Ask and seek. And you will find it. That's awesome. Number four, steward what you have received. Be doers, not hearers only. Asking God for the grace to do. And number five, oh, there is more hope for a fool than for the one who would be wise in his own eyes. Can we pray together? Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your word in our hearts. I pray that 
many of these things, Father, the things that you have purposed for each one of us that's within this message, that it would take root in us. The seed that is sown now, Father, we pray a protection over the seed in Jesus' name so that the birds of the air will not have access to this in Jesus' name. Thank you that the riches and the cares of this world, Father, that you would distance us as we responded to that altar call at the beginning of the service, Father, that you would distance us from the riches and the cares of this life so that the word and the seed that wouldn't be choked in us this morning. I thank you that we are young, but our, our youth is not despised in your sight. And we can ask for wisdom as any other old man can. And live wise lives in the fear of the Lord. Impart this to us, Lord. Bring this to us as a congregation. That we would seem wise beyond our years. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew, if you guys could come forward, I think it would be, um, well, it would be very nice to close with a song. I would just enjoy it a lot, and I think many of you would enjoy it also. So let us stand together and respond to the Lord in our hearts while we enjoy closing off with a song. And enjoy his presence. Subscribe unto 